When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Glover's Talk Somerset Live's weekly podcast discussing all things Yeovil Town Football Club. I've got a bumper list of guests today. Uh, I'm your host Liam Trim, but joining me as usual is sports reporter Stephen Dalbiak. Hi Liam. Mike Taylor. Hello. And we've got a guest in the form of Josh Wilde. Hello Liam. Hello Good to be Josh here. and you're, you're a diehard Yeovil fan. I am indeed. So we're looking forward to your insight today because you know most of us have Seen a Yeovil game in the last few days, so we won't bring that up too much. But before we start, don't forget to check out somersetlive.co.uk forward slash sport for all Stephen's latest articles on Yeovil Town news, transfer rumours, match reports, all that sort of thing. And if you want to keep up with this podcast, go to iTunes and Audio Boom and subscribe to Glover's Talk. We've got a lot to talk about because we've had two Yeovil games since our last episode uh, and impressive wins, I'm surprised and happy to say over both Exeter City and Cheltenham Town. So have Yeovil finally turned the corner? That's going to be what we're talking about first. Stephen, December 23rd, 3-1 win at Hewish against Exeter. Sum it up. Very, very impressive. I think um, I think we all feared the worst, didn't we, when um, when Exeter pulled that goal back with five minutes to go. But uh, I think you know, anyone who was at the game there last season when they... Uh, they came back from three 0 down. I think you um you you were sort of fearing the worst and thinking, oh god, here we go again. But um but credit to them, they they kept fighting all the way through. And I think through from the time they got that opening goal, Yeovil were the best team. They deserved to win. They looked good value for win, and they thoroughly outplayed uh, were a very strong Exeter team. So um I think you know from from looking at the game and looking at the way the atmosphere was at Hewish Park, it's probably the best performance that they've um, that they've produced all season and. Um, when you consider where they were before Saturday's game, only one point above the relegation zone, they could have ended Saturday in the bottom two if results hadn't gone their way and they'd lost. So, um, so going into Christmas, it was a perfect result and, uh, and a great performance. And Exeter, of course, yeah, came to Yeovil win first. So it really was quite a mismatch of those West Country teams. And as we've already discussed in the office, it was great to see Jewish Park a bit more full. The way mm. end was full of Exeter fans, lots of home fans there as well. Josh, would you agree with me? I, I kind of felt it was a game of two halves in it. In the first half, Yeovil, they didn't look the better team, but then it was quite dull overall to start with. It? But it looked like maybe Exeter would nick one. Yeovil had a bit of an error in them. Uh, but then in the second half, once Yeovil were gifted that goal with an error at the end of the first half from Exeter, Yeovil weren't really troubled that much until, like Stephen says, a bit of a nervous uh, last few minutes. I think that was really the key turning point in the game, that slip that kind of let Jim yeah. play in. It was a great finish. But you then look at that and that really made, made, uh, made us push on from there then. And in the second half, yeah, we just looked like a completely different team. I think once we scored that first goal, the confidence then that that brought us was mm. incredible. Mm. Um, and then also, we looked a lot better in defence as well. We really had some of those leaders out there. I mean, I remember Tom James, players like that, they were really playing well, James Bailey as well. Yeah. Um, so it was great to kind of see the team all come together. And with that atmosphere, as you've already talked about, it was fantastic to see Hughes Park rocking and the chant, the drums going like the old days. Yeah, absolutely. And just for anyone who didn't see that first goal, it was rather bizarre. It was like, was it the extra right back? He just sort of 
just gives it, it, it right yeah. on that yeah, plate. Lloyd so. James, I think he can only he can only assume that he just you know out of the corner of his eye thought it was one of his teammates mm. and he went for it. But by that point, and Darren Way said after the game that, that he'd been sort of working on that sort of thing in, in training and just making sure that they were there and ready to pounce, pounce on, on errors. Yeah. And well, it was a very yeah. well taken finish because he still had a lot of work to do when he got that ball. He Twenty yards out, really but nice. he found the bottom corner very well and. Um, Really, that, that set the uh, ball rolling for what came um, later on. And um, to carry on from that, I think you know, you've got to give uh, Francois Zoko a lot of credit for his finish because at that angle, to hit that ball first time and um, get it in off the post and past the goalkeeper, oh, yeah. that was a very, very well-taken goal as well. Michael, you know, I don't want to draw attention oh, to no. the fact that you were the only one not at the game. I've seen the highlights. But you've seen the highlights. Yes. So run us through the penalty. Obviously, Yeovil's last goal was a penalty which settled the nerves after Exeter got back into it after a bit of a John Green mistake. So was it a pen, do you think? Oh, yeah. I don't know what the goalkeeper was doing, really. I mean, it's always a bit weird when the goalkeeper just rushes out because my initial instinct's like he's got to get clear of his, his, his hands or his feet here, otherwise he's going to be in so much trouble. Mm-hmm. But he completely wipes out. Who was it involved? I think it was Zoka. Zoka. Yeah, Zoka. Yeah. I mean, Zoka got completely wiped out, gets completely wiped out. And, you, and it's just a silly... Um, it was a silly penalty you can see, considering Exeter just scored to get himself back in the game. And that was another turning point in the game, which, you know, the penalty, well taken by uh, Surridge, by the way, and uh, which just sealed the game for uh, for Yeovil. And it was a good three points, really. Um, so I think you've got to give Yeovil a lot of credit for the way that they, um, they responded mm. to that goal, because we've seen it too many times in the past where Yeovil have been 2 up. They've looked like they've been cruising to victory. Yeah. I go back a couple of months to the home game against Morecambe, where they were 2 up with 20 minutes to go, and they, they let it slip. And um, mm. you, you did wonder when that goal went in whether hang on what are they going to do now are they just going to try and sit back and uh, make sure we see the game out mm. but they, they didn't they took a completely opposite approach they stayed positive they they pushed forward and they tried to get that that third goal to kill the game off and they got the rewards for it and um, that's the sort of thing that Yeovil need to be doing more of when they find themselves in that position where they're having to hold on or where they're only one goal up going into the, few, the final few minutes mm. they have to just find a way to go forward and um, and stay positive. And nine yeah. times out of ten, if you take that approach, you'll end up winning the game. Yeah, that was course. the feeling on the terraces as well, I think. Everyone's kind of saying once that, that goal went in, right, we need to attack because I think we've seen it, as you say, too many times before. Mm. We've sat back and we've conceded that extra goal. And I think the fans would rather see us try and push forward and then concede an equaliser because they know the danger we've got up front with players like just Khan, Jordan Green, when he comes on, he's so quick. So I think definitely that's the way to go. And it makes for a more exciting game as well. Yeah, I did think Yeovil at 2-0 up went a bit too deep and it was concerning. Um, who do we all think were kind of the standout performers? Because I thought Worthington in midfield, he just he looked like someone who could play a pass. And then Zoko up front looked like a real handful. But I know Stephen, you were saying you yeah. know, he's, he's got to try and get that more consistency in his yeah, game. Yeah, I think we've always seen that with Zoko. Zoko on his day, when he's in the mood, he's an unplayable player. He's an unplayable footballer. He, he could... I think be a championship player if he could produce his absolute best form week in week out he doesn't do that there are some games where he goes missing too easily but he is that sort of player who for 80 minutes of a game can really do nothing but then you'll give him a chance and he'll find the net so he's a really good player to have at this level he's a real key asset to that Yeovil team and um, I think a lot of, he may not have got the headlines as much as somebody like um, Ola Moller did in the early part of the season or somebody like Otis Khan has but he is a crucial crucial part of that Yeovil team. And I think if there's a situation later in the year where Zoko gets injured or he misses a few games, Yeovil will really suffer without him. And mm. um, I think that's why there was so much frustration when he um, got sent off against Stevenage earlier in the season and got himself suspended because he is a key player. A lot of what Yeovil do and a lot of the good things that Yeovil do goes through him. And um, it, it really shows in games like Exeter where 
he he got that chance. He he finished it very well, and then he went up, went up the other end, um, dispossessed the extra player, and uh, won the penalty. And um, you've got to think that really, you know, without him on the pitch, it may have been a different story on Saturday. Mm. What about you, Josh? Who stood out for you? I, I agree the same, and I think also Zoko's experience is so vital when you've got a very young team. You've got players like Sam Surridge, who's a great young youth prospect, but you really need Zoko next to him, and also to kind of hold the ball up maybe when we're under a bit of pressure, if we are sitting deep, to then hopefully bring us up the pitch a bit. Um, and he's kind of his his running, and he's he's always kind of onto a chance as well. Like like you say, he can't do it; he doesn't do anything, and then he can just get in there. Mm. Also, James Bailey as well, I thought did did really well in the centre of the park. And I think that's where we won those key battles with him and Worthington. That really worked well. Obviously, Bailey's now out injured; we're not sure for how long, but definitely that centre of the park I think was where the the battle was won on on that game. I, th- yeah. I think just one more on, on Worthington, and one thing that really impressed me, and it was a bit cynical, but there was a point in the second half where it actually looked like they were going to break oh, on yes. the oval yeah. and Worthington just came across him and, and wiped him out obviously <laughs> rightly got booked but I think you can't you, I think you, you've got to you've got to give him credit for that because all too often in the past and we see it with the ovals they, they're not they haven't shown they're that streetwise they haven't shown you know that, that experience or that game management really because a lot of times in the past we've seen the oval just let those players go through break and yeah. then they end up scoring the so, fans around me you know, are saying we'll take yeah, that yeah, yeah. so I mean, sometimes you just need to take one for the team and um, commit that foul and, um, and make sure everybody can regroup and um, Yes, I mean you don't want to see Yeovil playing dirty all the time, but there are times in games where um, where you have to do that sort of thing. And I think credit to him for having the sort of the foresight and the nerve to do that because it it's the sort of thing that potentially you know could have could have prevented a goal because if you know when teams break on you and you get into a two on one situation, anything can happen. Hmm. So I'll lead into talking about the Cheltenham game. Then I was sitting in the, in the Screwfix stand with my dad watching the extra match and we were both agreeing saying this Yeovil defence particularly in the first half in the second half not so much looked like had a lot of errors in it one man in particular we were very critical of he wasn't winning his headers looked a bit shaky on the ball but then of course a few days later he goes and scores an absolute screamer so it just proves that we don't know what we're talking about of course I'm talking about Omar Sawunmi so he scored an absolute dream of a goal absolute bouncer wasn't it Stephen you were there Talk us through it. It was superb. Well, it was a bit of a surreal one because uh, if you see, if you were at the game or you've seen the highlights, you know Jordan Green went down in the box. He was um, took quite a high challenge just before that. So it was almost half an eye on what is the referee going to give a penalty? And I think everybody sort of lost a bit of focus. But there was Omar, you know, stayed alert, you know, kept his um, eye on the ball. And all of a sudden, the next thing you see is this ball going to slow motion, heading for the top corner. And um, I think it was an unbelievable strike from that angle. And to, to take that, take the ball down and then control it in the way that he did into the I mean, top, it was top corner superb. Way, yeah. and um, you know I think um, and his control as well the way he plucks it with his big long gangly awkward leg plucks yeah. it out of the air and then unleashes that shot well I think it's what to say about, about Omar is that he's, he's very tall he's quite gangly you know you could, you, but I think generally his footwork you know is it's okay it's not he's not the best in the team but he, he's not you know he, he, he can you know pick a pass when he has to he can run with the ball and he as he's shown on um, on Tuesday, he he can find the net as well. So um, I think this season he's been uh, he's I'd say he's been the most improved player, and I think that a lot of that comes from the fact that he's been put back into his natural position, which is as a central defender, and um, it's, he's been given a run of games in, in the team which he hadn't really got before this season, mm. and um, I think he's really now beginning to show just how good a player he is, and. Mm. Um, He's got a lot, lot to offer you overall for the rest of this season. And well, it's good to have some height back there, isn't it? And what, what about the obviously a two 0 win for Yeovil at Exeter? 
back, um, sorry, at Cheltenham. So back-to-back wins for the first yeah. time in a while. And were they worthy of that three points on the road? Absolutely. They did ride their luck a little bit because um, Cheltenham... Clearance off the line quite early There was a clearance off the line in the first half. Then Cheltenham did find the net through uh, former Yeovil player Kevin Dawson. But um, it was, you know, I think Dawson really did us a huge favour there because um, the shot from Issa was heading in and, um, it, you know, Krizyak was beaten and then Kevin Dawson just thought you know I'll help my mate out apply the finishing touch only for him to be in an offside position and the goal was ruled out yeah. and um, I think if Yeovil had gone 1-0 down there it would have been very difficult to see them getting back into the game but it's that sort of thing you know sometimes you need to get that little bit of luck and um, they took advantage of it and um, I think on the balance of play it was a very even game up until the point where they took the lead And um, but once they got that goal they pushed on and they got that second goal and they well, fully just deserved like it Just like the extra game a bit of help from the opposition setting over up for that, for that second Oh, what, what was going yeah. on there? <laughs> it was a howler wasn't it? It was an absolute howler but I think to, to give credit to Jordan Green as well there was a bit with um, Otis Khan alongside him and I think he almost tricked the Cheltenham player because he thought he's going to play Khan in there Khan is very clever mm. and he made sure he stayed just on side and so you're almost I think everyone was waiting for him to play that pass into Khan and then at the last minute he decides and goes no actually I'm going to well, go he, myself well he and did I think, probably uh, the initial question though didn't he um, uh, Khan like when uh, the ball went upfield and obviously it wasn't the, the Charlton defender had it um, and then that's when you know he, his pressure led to that mistake really after the ball went to was it Jordan Green wasn't it yeah so, um, so it was very smart work there from Moses despite the fact not even touching the ball yeah so, and I think that, that sort of thing because it I think a one-on-one, you obviously know where where the player is going to go. You can yeah. deal with that, but because Khan was up there, it almost it, the, the doubts crept into the minds of I think it was young Jamie Grimes and it was uh, Flinders in the shot and goal as well. Because they're then having to think, hang on, where is he going to go? And they obviously thought, and I, I honestly thought watching it in real time that he was going to go to Khan. But then it, if he can at the last minute, then just switch back and go for goal yourself. And it. it almost wrong-footed him and um, mm. it was a good finish and um, capped off a very good team performance. Mm. And it's exciting to see two players as quick as, as Khan and Green in the Oval side. Uh, Josh, what do you think after these two wins back-to-back that we've sort of learnt about the Oval squad and the Oval team and perhaps the best 11? Because I must admit, watching the extra game at times, I, like, I think this is a 4-4-2, but then Khan keeps getting involved up front. Maybe he should be playing a bit wider if he's playing as an actual winger. You know, what is the best way for Darren to get the best out of his, his players? Um, well, I think it's it's really important that he sticks with the same strategy because I think that these players, especially as quite a lot of them are young they, and you've got a couple of experienced players kind of dotted in there, then they need to stick with um, kind of a preferred formation. I mean, mm. whether obviously we decide 4-4-2 or 4-3-3, but certainly go, go with that and go attacking because I think that's Yeovil's biggest strength. I don't think we can sit back and defend because we don't we can't soak up that pressure, especially as we said when we were playing Exeter and we kind of sat back and there's mm. still kind of 25, 30 minutes left you always saw that they were going to get back into the game. Yeah. Um, and also, I think it's important that we bring on those pacey players like Jordan Green, because you see he has such a difference. When defences are tiring, you've kind of got 10 minutes left. If you bring him on, he can really make that massive difference and win penalties, or as we saw against Cheltenham, kind of score that second goal and really make it safe. I think it kind of takes us back to when we had, say, Nathan Ralph or um, Lewis Young a few years ago, and we used to bring them off the bench, and they used to terrorise defences, because the defenders, um, especially if they were tiring, and you kind of get into the last few minutes, if you bring on those couple of speed merchants, and you can really make a difference. So certainly, I think that's the kind of way to go. Um, I would like to obviously see us kind of bring in a couple more experienced players, I think, then that would just kind of solidify the team. But I think we've got a, a good squad now going forward. Obviously, it's disappointing to see the couple of injuries we have picked up, um, hopefully James Bailey's one isn't too um, serious mm. but because uh, I think we really need him in there and certainly that experience as our captain as well 
Yeah, well, Khan, like I said, Khan and Green, just great to see that pace. And even though Green gave the ball away for that extra goal, you know, he's trying to do the right thing, but maybe he should, you know, do it up the other end. But that comes from experience. <laughs> yeah, like exactly. That, well, exactly. I think maybe, hopefully, he'll learn from that, yeah. um, what happened in that game. And Stephen, uh, that injury to the skipper, James Bailey, has been mentioned there. Just run us through what happened at Cheltenham. Yeah, well, it was almost, it was straight from kickoff. It was about 10 seconds into the game. First challenge, he went in with Harry Pell from Cheltenham and um, just came with second best. And it, it did look, when it first happened, as though it was a really, really serious one because you can see the obvious concern there both physios going on, the leg brace came out. So we thought, hang on, this could this could be really bad. But um, Darren came out after the game and said it suspected medial uh, knee ligaments, which um, it's not a great injury to have, but it's probably not as serious as um, as it could have been. It's mm. not, it's the two knee ligament injuries that you can really have, which is the medial and the um, anterior, the ACLs, it's known. Um, it's the lesser of the two, really. So, Generally speaking, players, when they have that kind of injury, they're out for a few weeks, but it's certainly not as bad as doing your ACL because that would almost certainly have ended the season. Same with a break. So um, he's going to be a big miss to you over in the next few weeks. But um, if it turns out to be the medial ligaments, then it's not as bad as, um, as it would have been feared. And um, you should hopefully then see him probably back at the beginning of February, I would say, would be a mm. sort of a realistic time for him to come back in. But having said that, Yeovil do have options that they can put in. Connor Smith came on at Cheltenham and... Um, did okay. Then you've got Alfie Santos, who can play in the middle. Jake Gray, who has been playing out on the right mainly, but can play in the middle as well. And of course, Oscar Goburn, who um, who signed in December and yeah. was injured a couple of games in. He mm. should hopefully be back in the next three or four weeks, you'd, you'd hope. So um, there are options there. And of course, with January coming up, it's um, if you're going to lose your captain, it's probably the best time to do it just before the window because you've got that chance to reassess mm. the squad and, um, and add cover. Whereas if he'd done that maybe in September, it could have um, left you over in a bit of trouble. So mm. I think it, it's hopefully not going to be as big a blow mm. as it could perhaps have been. So some positive news in there, but a very crucial run of matches coming up for you mm. not least to say the next two uh, so it's Morecambe first and then Crawley is that right to say yeah so Morecambe tomorrow night it's going to be quite a tricky game it's going to be cold it's going to be wet what I understand um, I've spoken to the um, team at Morecambe at the moment they don't see any um, any problems with the game being postponed because there is a bit of snow forecast but they said the pitch is covered so all should be okay for that one but um but yeah, to go back to the football, I think it's two very key games and two very winnable games as well. And um, if they can get a win tomorrow night and a win against Crawley, then you're almost looking at that gap that's now seven points, potentially being up above 10. And that really does take the pressure off. And it mm. means that they can... And they've got a pretty kind run of fixtures on paper coming up over the next couple of months. It means they can really begin to look upwards and really look to climb into mm. mid-table and um, almost ease any fears of relegation which um, when you consider three weeks ago after they lost home to Lincoln they were only above the bottom two on goal difference it's been a really impressive turnaround and um, I think you, you're beginning to see the real Yeovil Town come out now they've added they've got a bit of steel about them now they've, they've shown they can close games out and um, if they can continue that and add some good depth in January then there's really a good opportunity for them to to use you know the next you know next 10 games and really push up into mid-table so just to remind our listeners of uh, the state of play in the League 2 table and we're recording this on, on December the 28th we should say so it's the it, Crawley are in 18th level on points with Yeovil Town on 27 points Yeovil in 19th and then Morecambe two places below that in 21st on 22 points and then the bottom two is currently Chesterfield on 20 points and Forest Green Rovers on 20 points Josh just quickly from you as a fan 
given the kind of hope and promise of these last two games, where would you be hoping Yeovil can go on and finish in, in this table this year? Um, I, I think most Yeovil fans would take mid-table because yeah. we always get better the second half of the season. We always bring in kind of 10, 15 new players um, and a lot of young players as well. So I think it's important now just to have that stability. And then hopefully when we move on to the summer, I know it's a long time away now, but hopefully we can then kind of keep that core, core, core players again um, and then just kind of add to it. And then hopefully it would see us start better next season. Uh, but certainly those last couple of wins, especially as, um, like Stephen was saying, uh, we were just out of the relegation zone by goal difference and all those teams around us were losing as well. I think against Exeter, we were the only team in the kind of bottom seven or eight to win on that, that game day. Mm. So it was a really important result. Um, and now just kind of looking forward and, and a bit of optimism as well around Christmas because I think all the fans were kind of <laughs> getting a bit uh, disenchanted yeah. with the club and it's nice to see now that we've got those couple of um, games under our belt and hopefully we can push on from there. But I think it'll be interesting to see. I mean, it's likely to happen, hopefully not too soon. But when Yeovil do go goal down, um, it'll be interesting to see how they come back. Because as we've said, they've kind of they've taken the initiative. They've scored. I mean, I know against Exeter, they went down, but they were still 2-1 up. So it'll be interesting to see if they do go down by goal, maybe early on, maybe um, away at, say, Morecambe or something like that. It's interesting to then see how they come back. Mm. And I think that's when we'll really see the steel of this side and where they can eventually finish. Yeah, I think you're right. There's been some more fight in the last few games. So let's hope that continues. Well, I know it's a, is, am I right saying the Crawley match is New Year's Day? It is, yeah. So, of so, course, a, a big name is manager of, of Crawley, Harry Kuehl. Yes, and not too popular among the uh, Yeovil fans. Anyone who, um, who was there when they played Liverpool in the Cup all those years ago will uh, we'll obviously have seen what a cynical dive and completely unnecessary... Well, you know, given what a fan favourite he is at Hewitt Park, I thought I'd make this week's quiz about Harry Kuehl. Oh, Oh, this is great. So, uh, Josh, join in. It's just just (laughs) the fastest person to to answer Can we say stop first so then we can can then say no answer? No, I think that's more simple. I think the previous system's fine. Yeah. Just, just, whoever says it to me first. I don't, I don't know what uh, problem so you just, have with the you know, previous Well, I'm just saying. saying. Settle down, settle down. <laughs> now, now, in the previous episodes of Glover's Talk, Stephen has basically always beaten Mike in, in this I mean, just. So, and, you know, as Stephen should, he is the sports reporter after all, so he should have this knowledge. But let, let's see how we get on. So the first question is, and I'll accept the closest answer, is that how tall is Harry Kuehl? Five, uh, no, not five, uh, five. Six foot. Six foot two. One. Foot two from John. Oh, six foot one from He's a little Mike. bit shorter. I'm going to go five foot 11. <laughs> Stephen's got it dead on. He's oh. five eleven. So hang on, I'm just drawing up my little table. And uh, Stephen's already gone into a 1-0 lead there. So Harry Kuehl's wife, Cherie Murphy, has starred in Hollyoaks, Neighbours and which other... Emmerdale. Wow. There we are. Yeah. Mike with all the important knowledge. The real man of the group is <laughs> she think, I think she thinks he died in one of the Christmas episodes a few years ago. Good knowledge so. there from Mike Taylor. We've discovered his niche when it comes to these quizzes. Yeah. Soaps. Uh, so the third question. What was the score when Kuehl was subbed off in the 2005 Champions League final between three nil. Three, and Liverpool? 3-0. Three 3-0. Nil. Stephen's gone 3-0. 3-1. 3-1, says Josh. 3-0. Three, Three nil, yeah. You're just agreeing with Stephen. Yeah, I even think so, though yeah. it's quite obvious he's got it wrong from my tone of voice. Three all win. No, it was. I'm not giving anyone a point. It was one nil. It was one <laughs> nil to AC Milan. Oh, was it? And, thought... and the Liverpool fans apparently booed Kuehl, have... just like the Yeovil fans. They said that apparently he looked like he was faking the injury, and he went off quite early on. Oh, all right. So that's disappointing, there. Disappointing from all of you. I'm disappointed. <laughs> I was only seven. Fourth question. 
Alright. <laughs> what We're still YouTube over What here. number shirt did Q wear at Galatasaray? Oh I'm gonna guess at at number seven. Number eleven. Eight. So say what say your guesses again, seven. I'll give it to the closest. Seven. Seven. Eight, yeah. Eleven is closest. Josh gets a point. It's currently one all. Everyone's got one point. What was the number this then? It's number nineteen. So, you know, you're all way off, but Josh was closest. <laughs> So, this is the final question. So, someone's got to claim the win. And again, I'll accept the closest answer. How many goals did Kuehl score for Leeds United between 96 and 2003? 75. 75 for Stephen. How many, what, so How many goals in total did he score during his career at Leeds United? And that was from 1990, did you say? He, he was there from 96 to 2003. Oh, right. I'm going for... 64. Right, it's gone for 64. I'm going to take on the percentages and go 76. Wow. Now, this is uh, actually a momentous moment in the history of the Glover's Talk oh, podcast. No. Because, Mike, you said 64, didn't you? Yeah. And you are the closest, so you win <laughs> the quiz. Yes. Wow. 2 1 1. And the actual answer was 45 goals for wow. Harry Kew in that oh. time. So, not as many as you all thought. I was originally going to go for 50. I have to I say, for. fairly terrible quiz performance from everyone there. Uh, not many close answers. But I won. Stephen looks absolutely gutted. <laughs> Uh, but Mike has won so he's clawed a win back and you know what it was Emmerdale which was the crucial answer there yes. I think set you apart as soon as you said as soon as you said but his wife I knew the answer was going to be Emmerdale wow okay well, which is, well, which is, which is why, this you is know, what you need to do when you this spend is what I need to spend my evenings uh, doing that don't I more yeah. well, down. what should we send us what should we Emmerdale you know get all yeah. this pop culture well, you know Emmerdale quite often is uh, on before Champions League football isn't it so you know, oh yes make it a bumper evening of revision for this quiz go on ITV uh, then jump over to anyway Stephen although he's clearly gutted by the fact that his 100% record is ruined in this quiz he's not going to have long to lick his wounds because I'm going to ask him now about January and the transfer window for Yeovil you know how likely is it that they're going to be able to keep hold of some of their lone players I know that um Oh, oh, the the uh, Southampton chap I forgot Ola, his name Ola Mola Ola Mola yeah yep. who's been good for Yeovil this season there's a chance that they might use him and uh, where else do Yeovil kind of need to strengthen and, and will Dan Way get the backing that he needs to do that? Okay, so I'll start off with um, with the lone players because those are the ones whose futures are probably most in danger. Um, I would guess, if you had to ask me now, I reckon that Sam Surridge will stay. He's on he's on a deal until the end of the season. Matt Worthington, I would expect to extend his loan for the rest of the season. And I would expect Sid Nelson and Keston Davis to go back to their respective clubs oh, because they no, they've not contributed that much no Dale Davis has hardly played in the league yeah. so I can't see he is technically on loan until Swansea, the end of, is that right? yeah he's technically there until the end of the season but I'd be very surprised if either party were that keen to extend that deal Sid Nelson's really fallen out to favour since his red card against Notts County and yeah, I right. think he's probably um, he's probably um, cooked his goose there so he's probably on his way back to Millwall what a lovely turn and of phrase there Steve well. especially having a yeah, Christmas themed yeah, exactly Christmas see what I did there it's, it's very um, and I think is a bit of a wild card I think if you'd asked me probably about a month ago I'd say it's I think Yeovil have got, got to be pretty worried about whether they could keep him beyond January because he'd been scoring goals. He was really, really impressive. However, since he, his suspension, he's not scored. He's been on the bench for the last few mm. games. And you've got to think, if you were a club in League One who were looking at him earlier in the season, looking at him scoring goals and thinking, yeah, we might, um, we might see if we can get him in January. 
maybe a bit of doubt might begin to creep in there because he he's not you know consistently produced it through the first half of the season. So in a way, Yeovil he hasn't done it for Yeovil, but it may help them in the long term. Extend his loan. drop off in form. Yeah, it might, might it Yeovil might make it more likely yeah. that Yeovil could keep him because. I think the danger is always that a club at a high level were going to come in for for him and um, and take him. Now, of and course, I'm guessing you'd say that that would it'd be good for Yeovil to keep him, even though he's had this. It drop would, off. yeah, it's because I think I, I think that yeah, he's not been on great form for the last few games. But I think if you can get him back to how he was playing at the start of the season, he's a brilliant player at League Two level. And um, I think if if you look at where Yeovil need to strengthen, I think they do need to add another striker because they've only got three out and out strikers at the moment so they probably do need a fourth so if they can keep him and get him back to scoring as he was in the start of the season then you really have a very potent strike force there hopefully if a fourth loan would be somebody who's got a bit of experience and um, I'm you know I'm told that experience is what they're going to be looking for in January in terms of adding players so um, I think if they can Presumably, if they're going to get rid yeah. of Davis and um, Nelson, they yeah. centre back. Would I think be I think certainly centre back, and I think what they need to do at the back is they need to get a Darren Ward figure, you know, mm. an experienced centre back, somebody who's been in and around the game for for many years. I think nobody can underestimate the impact that Darren Ward had when he came in under um, came in two years ago because he came in with Yeovil really struggling in League Two, and he you know he helped transform their fortunes in much the way that Darren Way did when he took over it was just you need that experienced leader on the pitch somebody who's going to take control who's going to take charge who's going to inspire the other players while the game's going on and um, I really I'd like to see them get somebody of that ilk in because yes Smith and Swimley have done well as a partnership but I think you really need that on-pitch leader and I don't think you've quite had that I think James Bailey's improved in recent weeks but he's not that talkative figure on the pitch he's not the one who's going to you know, grab the grab the ball by its horns on the pitch and really Josh is nodding. Do yeah, well, yeah, because off the pitch as well. I think Darren Ward was so in, um, influential because I even remember like after kind of a game maybe where it's kind of gone pretty badly, the fans were on their back. He would put an arm around maybe a young player who made a mistake, and you could really see that his influence extended not just from being on the pitch, where it was obviously very important, but also off the pitch as well. So certainly, I mean, we brought in Stefan Zuba and we thought maybe that he'd be the influential figure, but then he got an injury and has now obviously gone back to Weymouth. So certainly, I think that's the number one priority for Yeovil because we, we're pretty good going forward and we scored quite a few goals. But defensively, especially if we do concede a goal, you need that kind of that leader in that back line to say, "Come on, boys! Yeah. Now let's push forward." Well, I um, thought you just needed yeah. an organizer in yeah. there, Exeter, De- definitely, definitely, and and obviously to stop them kind of then conceding another quick goal because like you can't see anyone in that defensive um, role at the moment that really can stand up and be counted and when things are maybe going to plan to kind of push everyone forward. And, yeah, and well, I mean, yeah, there were moments against Exeter where Yeovil's shape was kind of okay, but then they'd be giving Exeter a lot of time on the ball and it's almost mm. like you need that man in centre-back to be like, go out to him, you know, just take control of that situation. I think you're quite right there. Uh, what would excite you, though, for, for in January as a fan, Josh? And, and do you think it's realistic for them to actually get in what they need? I, I think so. I mean, January is always quite an exciting time for the club because you always see that it kind of comes, especially now the loan window is only in these transfer windows. You can't bring in emergency loans. This is a real time for now to know whether what the direction the overall season is going mm. in the second half of the season, whether we're just going to be content with kind of fighting against relegation or whether we can bring in these kind of couple of experienced players in these key positions, looking at centre-back, looking at strikers, but also I think looking at central midfield as well, depending on how um, serious Oscar Goldborn's injury is and obviously mm. James Bailey as well. They need that experienced central midfielder. 
And if they've got then those three kind of players through that core of that team, and the spine, spine yeah. then hopefully looking forward... <laughs> Football cliche out there with the spine, yeah. <laughs> definitely. And then, and then looking forward, I think it can be exciting for the rest of the season. Um, and obviously with those couple of loan spots opening up, um, it'd be nice to see if we can get in another kind of couple of quick players, maybe we can bring off the bench. Like when we've had Jordan Green, um, then that could really kind of hopefully bring us a few points towards the end of games. It's going to be an interesting month, isn't it? Yeah, I, I think um, I think I think Josh is absolutely bang on. I think you know you need to look central defender, central midfielder, striker. I think if you can get if you can get players of quality, hopefully with experience in all three of those positions, then it really sets um, things up nicely going forward. And then you can maybe you know those players, but you're talking about players who can come off a bench, maybe wide players or attacking players. They you tend to find that you have you know. Plenty of clubs at the high levels have young players who can who wanted to go on loan, gain first team experience, who can f- f- um, fulfil those roles, and um, maybe that's what Yeovil should be looking at to you know to bring permanent signings in in the spine of the team. But then, if they have a couple of loan spaces they need to fill, then use those to bring in wide players, to bring in maybe you know maybe a fullback or somebody who can um, somebody who can come on who've got young fresh legs and can really you know look to um, influence games later on. Yeah, so it's certainly going to be exciting in the transfer market, I think, come January. Uh, we've been talking for quite a while. Thank you for sticking with us on Glover's Talk. But just before we go, we just obviously we've mentioned those Morecambe and, and Crawley games coming up in the next week. I wanted to just get everyone's score prediction. Oh, so I'll start with you, Mike. Got Morecambe away, isn't it? And then Crawley yep. at home. So what's your predictions? I think 2-1 Yeovil. At Morecambe? Yeah, yeah, they've lost their last three, and Yeovil won the last two. So certainly, so yeah, but obviously Yeovil don't travel well. It might be a grisly until Tuesday. Win. Yeah, but that was still in the West Country, wasn't it? I don't think it matters to be honest. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, All right, so Mike's going two-one against Morecambe. What, what about you, Josh? Against Morecambe, I think I'll go one-nil. I think we'll just edge it. Yeah, hopefully with a keep that goal. one in run going. What about you, Stephen? Okay, I'm going to um, I'm going to go two-one Yeovil tomorrow at Morecambe, and oh, then I think I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm expecting a. I don't. I I don't bet. <laughs> we don't, let's not get into a discussion. No, no that's not um, And then, um, and then I, I, I expect so I'm going to go for a bit of a goal fest on Crawley. It was a great win there against them at home last season. Five 0 so, am I right? Yep, yeah. it was a five 0 I'm not going to go for a five 0 but I'll, I'll, I'm going to go for a four one. Plenty of goals and uh, wow. a nice bit of New Year's cheer. What about you, Mike? Against Crawley, Harry Kewell's visit to Yeovil. I'm going to go for a goal fest as well. Three two Yeovil. Oh. Josh. Similar to the other guys, I think I'm going to go three-one Yeovil. Well, let's see if our pundits are right in the next few days. But guys, if you've got a prediction, do get in touch with us. Stephen's contact details are probably available on the Somerset Market UK website. And and as I say, if you're if you've been a fan of the quiz and all the discussion and the analysis mm-hmm. on Glover's talk today, then make sure you go to iTunes and Audio Boom to subscribe to this podcast. Thank you very much for listening, and up the Glovers. Cheers. Bye bye. Wie had dat gedacht? Van shoppen in Milaan naar achter de koopjes aan. <laughs> Gelukkig heeft Telford Smart Pakkers. Niet het laatste model telefoon, maar wel de beste prijs. <laughs> dat is toch genieten? Geniet ook zonder te veel te betalen met Telford Smart Pakkers. Zoals de Samsung Galaxy S7 met 1 gig en 150 minuten. Nu voor maar 26,50 euro per maand. Doe je voordeel mee, Telford. Let op, geld lenen kost geld.